Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Welcome to Connection Church. Um, I'm very excited uh, about the sermon today uh, because God really spoke to me in some very specific ways in preparing uh, for the sermon. And so I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we can go to the Bible and we already are, have passionate feelings about things that are going on in our life. And we look to the Bible to say, man, I'm, I'm ready for the Bible to completely reiterate these feelings. I, I need validation and, and I'm ready for the Bible to validate the way I feel. And that's just simply not the way our walk as Christians is supposed to work. We're supposed to go to Scripture so that it can guide us in the way that we feel. So if we we feel passionate about something, we should first go to Scripture and and make sure that that passion is is placed in the right area. And so I feel also a lot of times what we can do as Christians is we can come to church and look at a sermon or look at a certain leader in a church for validation too. And we can look to them and say, I know I feel this way about a particular uh, subject matter and I'm ready for this pastor or this spiritual leader to speak into that area of my life and tell me exactly what I think. Because we do, we want validation. And a lot of us, you know, on social media and different areas in our life, we get that validation constantly. And so when there's something that, that kind of goes against how we feel, it's very jarring. And so for me, before I was encouraged and excited about this sermon, um, I was kind of jarred and taken back because I was like, that's not what I want to hear. I feel this way. I want the Bible to tell me this thing. Why is it telling me, why is it telling me this? Um, and so uh, I want you guys, as much as you can, to just kind of let go of everything that's been going on with as open mind, uh, with as open a mind as you can have, listen to the sermon and what God has to say in his word. Because one thing I can guarantee you is this is not what does Austin think or feel about what's going on in our society and what we need to hear as a church. This is what does the Bible say? What does God have to say about what's going on? And so we're in a series right now. It's called Victory is Promised. And so maybe you guys heard um, yesterday there was an announcement about a particular victory that apparently it's a big deal. Um, We found out who our new president of the United States is going to be. And for some, that was a huge victory. And for some, they felt a huge defeat. But we're here today to proclaim that regardless of what side you're on, just like Brian was saying before with the, the words of encouragement that he shared, that our ultimate victory is in Christ. And if you are in Christ, that victory has already been won and it's promised to you. And so today's specific sermon is titled, go to the blank slide first, Elected, Elected. And so we just heard of a president-elect, and um, we're here to state today that we have been elected by Christ. If we've chosen to follow him, we've been elected for victory. And so we're going to start off in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. We're going to go through a big chunk of Scripture at first, um, and then we're going to break down uh, some shorter uh, chunks of Scripture. So uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways and the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, Democrat, Republican, but Christ is all and is in all. Colossians 3, 1 through 11. And so what are we looking at when we see these verses? It reminds me of, of a story, and I don't know how many of you are sports fans, but I used to be a huge sports fan. I still love sports, but when you have kids, like whatever you were fans of prior to your kids, they kind of just, they take a little bit of a backseat. So, um, but this is a miraculous story about a hockey team in 1980 who, against all odds, defeated the Russians in the Olympics um, and then went on to win their next game after that and to, to gold medal in the Olympics as Team USA Hockey. And before this happened, no one thought that this was possible at all. In 1976, we had a terrible showing. It was not a good Olympics for us. And Russia had dominated uh, it since the 60s all the way through. They always won. Um, well, there was a revolutionary and visionary head coach named Herb Brooks, and he had an idea. Instead of taking individual players who were really talented in their selected uh, areas of, uh, of skill on the ice, he decided that he wanted to take young, passionate, impressionable players from colleges and teach them how to work together as a unit. But he faced like a really, really difficult problem, and that is the colleges that were most excited about potentially trying out for Team USA Hockey were all kind of in the same region, and they all played each other uh, when they were in college. And so some of, these, some of these players were still in college when they came to Team USA. Some of them had just graduated college. And there was, there was huge rivalry between these players, particularly the players that were from Boston University and from Minnesota. They did not like each other at all. During the season, they, they took chip shots at each other. It was just a very, very passionate. Um, there's actually a movie uh, remake of this story. It's called Miracle. Um, it's a Disney remake. Kurt Russell kind of leads the head coach. And uh, it's a great movie. So even if you don't like sports, it's a great, like, you know, feel good, like awesome, you know, this team did the, the seemingly impossible type movie. But in, in the film, I would say at best this was exaggerated and at worst it was just completely made up for drama. But one of the things that the coach had asked the players to try to help them get over um, their rivalry was where they were from. They wanted to learn a little bit about each other so they could figure out, you know, who are you really? I know you play for Boston, I you know play for Minnesota, you play for Wisconsin, but who are you as a person? And throughout the film, these people would answer, these players would say, you know, I'm, I'm this player from this university. 
I'm this player from this player. He'd say, who are you and who do you play for? And their answer was always, I'm, you know, I'm this player, I play for Boston. I'm this player, I play for Wisconsin. I'm this player, I play for Minnesota. And so it all comes to like what could be considered one of the climaxes, if not the climaxes of, or the climax of the film, it comes to a head when they lose a friendly game to a team that they should have beaten by a long shot. So they lose this game, and the coach basically says in the film, if you don't want to work during the game, we'll work after the game. So they, they're skating lines back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they're just exhausted. And the assistant coaches, the, the, the medical staff, they're like, we can't keep doing this. You're going to wear them out. You're going to hurt them. And he just keeps saying again, again, again. So if you want to see this scene, you can just Google miracle again scene and it will pop up because it's pretty iconic, especially if you've seen the film. Well, finally, one of the players breaks down. He says again, and right before the assistant coach blows the whistle, one of the players just yells out his name. He later became the captain for this team. And this was a moment where he showed leadership because he just yells out his name, Mike Ruzioni. And the coach is like, everybody's just kind of like, what's, what's that all about? And then he yells out where he's from. He says, Winthrop, Massachusetts. And there's just this big pause. He's like, you know, trying not to hurl because he's so tired. And the coach says, and who do you play for? And he says, I play for the United States of America. And then the coach says, that's all. And he walks off. And so this, this whole process was, was this coach's crazy way of getting his players to realize they had been elected for something bigger than their college. They had been elected to Team USA. They, had, they, had been, they, they were on something that supersedes their college rivalry. They were elected for better. That's point number one. They were elected for better. So when we look at Colossians chapter 3 and the first 11 verses, what we can see is we have been elected for better. We've been called to take off our old self and put on the new self. And the new self is this image of, of God and his kingdom. And because we can put on the new self, we're able to be more than just temporary agents for temporary change. We can be agents for eternal change in the kingdom of God. And so it's not that falling into these certain communities or falling into certain ideologies or having your own opinions or, or being shaped by your experiences. It's not that those things are bad. Those are actually good. They make you who you are. But when we start to put those experiences and those identities over our true identity, which should now be in Christ, if we're following Christ, that's where we make the biggest mistake that we can make. Because God has called us for eternal change, not temporary change. So we put on our new jersey, right? And, and, and Mike Ruzioni finally realized, okay, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, we all still, like, some of us still play for Boston. Some of us still play here. It's okay. Some of us still have identities in our life that don't match the identities of other Christians. That's okay. What should match is that we're all putting God above everything else, that we identify everything else first through Christ, and then those identities pop in. So the first point is, we are elected for better. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, we move on. So if we know, okay, we're, we're taking off the old self. These are the things we shouldn't do anymore. We shouldn't find in our, our identity in these sins. We shouldn't find our identity uh, in certain communities or certain ideologies. We should ultimately first find our identity in Christ. And if we're doing that, what does that look like? So we know what we're not supposed to do. So let's move forward and find out what we should do. And starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and clearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And maybe most importantly, this last part, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So if we look at verses 12 through 14, it becomes very clear that we were elected for love. And so there's this, there's this way that we're supposed to look as followers of Christ. If we're finding our identity in Christ, we've taken off the old self, we put on the new self, right? The way we should look is we should have humility, we should have compassion, we should be marked by kindness and, and gentleness and patience. And the way we can do this is by having love for people. Because honestly, some of those you can fake, and you can fake it long enough until you just lose it, because you can fake caring for someone that you don't love. You can fake being patient with someone that you don't love. You can become part of discussions about very important topics and fake being productive in those conversations. But if you don't love the people that you're having the conversations with, you can't really come at those conversations with truth. We can't progress together as God's people. We can't progress together building God's kingdom if we don't first love each other. Because from love comes patience and gentleness and kindness, humility and patience. So this reminded me of, um, if, if, well, some of you have been, I guess, I don't know if the word fortunate is the right word, but you've gotten to ride in the car with me at some point, some of you, some of you haven't. And for those of you who have been in the car with me, I am um, not the most patient nor the most kind or humble when I'm driving the streets of New York City. Um, I'm very critical of other drivers and not even like they could not even like they could be following like what is like the letter of the law of the road. But if they don't understand like the unwritten rules of New York City driving, it drives me insane. When I, when I take a right turn and I'm, I'm like behind a vehicle and all of a sudden they just slam on their brakes and, and I'm like, oh, it's a TLC plate. And then they put their hazard lights on. I'm like, dude, you've already, like, it's no good now. Like, I don't need to be signaled that you're stopping. You're already stopped, right? Um, so it just frustrates me um, when, when people don't know not only the, I mean, there are a lot of people that don't know like the letter of the law, rules of the road, but I'm, I'm even more critical past that, right? So if I had love for these people in these moments, it would help me be more patient and gentle and kind and humble. Uh, it also reminded me of, um, a lot of you know Johnny Chadar. Um, he's a good friend of ours. He lives in Ridgewood, about four blocks from where we live. Um, he is very loving and very kind, especially when we visit his apartment. Every time we go over there, I feel so welcomed. I feel so loved. I mean, it's almost like everything besides like I, I sometimes expect him to like carry me up their stairs. Like that's how that's that's how good of a friend he is. And so we we had visited uh, a couple weeks back, and he noticed that Haley had her her iPhone, and, which I just reached for my pocket to show you mine, but I'm using it to record. So anyway. Um, Haley had her phone, and she didn't have a case on it, and she didn't have um, a, a, a screen protector either. He goes, oh, you don't, you don't have a case or a screen protector? And Haley was like, no, I, I had one, but it broke, and I just haven't really replaced it. He was like, oh, okay. And he was like, hey, Austin, come here for a second. And so we went into his room, and he had an extra screen protector and a brand-new case that he had just bought that he wasn't going to use, and he just immediately like, applied the screen protector and put the case on it. I was like, here, go give this to Haley. Not, no, no questions asked. And so that to me was, and thinking of like times where I'm not loving, when I thought of somebody who is extremely loving, it reminded me of every time we visit, 
our friend's house. It's so, so evident that Johnny has humility and kindness and patience, especially with our kids. He does a lot of cool stuff with our kids. I'm like, I'm, I'm like we got to go home. He's like, no, no, it's okay. Let me, let me just take them in here. And he's got like six, like his kids and my kids sitting in his lap playing computer games. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Like he, he loves our family and it's evident in his action, not just his word. So moving forward to our final point, verses uh, 15 through 17 of Colossians chapter 3. So we know that we were elected for better. We've been elected for love. And in 15 through 17, we see that we are elected for something else as well. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So the last thing we can see is that we are elected for Christ. We are elected for Christ. So Colby has gotten really, really into magic tricks. Um, there's, she just wants to watch them. Like that's the, every time, like, okay, you want to watch like a kid thing on YouTube or you want to watch, like for a while she got into like streamers that would stream Mario. It's like, you want to watch, we call him Mario guy. He's, he's really DGR. If you guys watch him, he's really funny. Um, you want to watch Mario guy? She's like, no, I want to I watch a magic trick. I want to watch magic tricks. And she's just astonished by, by the reveal of these tricks. She's like locked in. She has no idea what's going on, no idea what to expect. And then the reveal comes and she is completely surprised. So the thing about magic tricks is there's a magician who is showing you a trick and he's planned the whole thing out. He knows how it's going to work. Now there's some acting, there's some misdirection, there's some things that, that go into play during the trick that make it seem like, oh no, I messed up. You know, I, so I, I liked magic for a little while and, and got halfway decent at a few tricks. Um, and I was on a mission trip one time and I had a friend who, you know, I don't know why he was so good at pickpocketing people, but he was. <laughs> so I had a friend pickpocket um, a minister and change his background of his phone to a picture of like the two of clubs or something like that. It was a very specific card picture. And I was like, hey, this, this minister had been showing magic tricks of his own, but they were, they were kind of like the ones where it's like mathematical. Like once you learn the equation, it's like it doesn't matter what happens, it, like, it always turns out, right? Not, okay, if you do those tricks, I'm not, that sounded, it's not talking down to those tricks, right? Not, that's not what I'm saying. So he's doing these tricks. I was like, dude, you got to come check out um, this, this card trick that I know how to do. And uh, he's like, okay. And so he sat down. My friend had already slid his phone back into his pocket. And I was like, hey, um, why don't you just like, pick any card? And I forced a card on him. And I forced, like, the, like, for the sake of argument, let's say it was a two of clubs. So he thinks he has a free choice in selecting a card. But really, I'm making him choose the two of clubs. So he's looking at it. He's showing everybody. And I was like, now don't judge me if I mess this up because I haven't done it in a while. Misdirection. I'm not confident in how this is going to turn out. Misdirection, right? So we go through the whole trick. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. But is this your card? And it was like the queen of hearts or something, right? It was the wrong card. And he was like, 
no, that's not it. And he was like, he's, he's like such a cool guy. You know, he's like, it's okay, man. Cause like at this point, everybody that was on the mission trip and some of the people that we we're serving with there, it's like 30 people watching this trick. And I was like, man, I was like, I can't believe I messed that up. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, just maybe try it again. I was like, you know, I was like, why don't you just, can you pull out your phone and, and help me look up how this trick is done? And he was like, yeah, sure. And just like completely caught off guard. The, the, the picture, the background of his phone was the card that he selected. He had no idea how it happened. Could not, like, ne- like, it was months before I finally explained what happened. And he was like, oh my gosh. Um, but here's the deal. Do you, do you think I was surprised by the outcome? No, I, I knew that was going to happen, right? I set it up to happen that way. And even though he thought he had free choice, and it, I mean, in some, he had a little bit of free choice, right? I guess, that he got to, to reach out and try to select a card. But, but really, I knew the card he was going to select, right? And so, yes, he has free choice, but I knew he was going to have to choose this card that I put out there. And he thought the trick was messed up. He thought there's no way it can be reconciled. There's no way that this trick can be fixed. And all of a sudden, he was like, whoa! It was fixed in the, the craziest way possible, a way that I never would have foreseen. And so when we think about the person that we've been elected for, we have been elected for Christ. And he knows everything that's going to happen. Right? For lack of a better way to, to, draw, to, put, to pull these two things together, he's, he's like the most ultimate magician ever. Right? But he's not throwing misdirection. We're living our lives, but he knows the choices we're going to make. And he knows how he's going to react to those choices. And he knows how he's going to miraculously show us the two of clubs on our phone at a time where we least expect it, in a way that we least expect it. And so we've been elected for better. We've been elected for love. And we've been elected for someone who we know is pulling things together for our good. We know that victory has been won for the person that we've been elected to follow and that that victory is promised. It doesn't matter that we're in the middle of a card trick structure, that we have no idea what's going on, right? What matters is that we know that he knows the ending. Not only does he know it, he's orchestrated it for it to be what is best for us, regardless of how it seems in the moment. So with that, I would like for us to bow our heads. I'm going to close us um, in prayer but I want us to, to really focus on who Christ has called us to be in this victory. Really focus on where we place our identity. Because it's not wrong for us to be passionate about justice. It's not wrong for us to be passionate about life. It's not wrong for us to be passionate about our community and our brothers and sisters. But when we start placing specific, man-built, world-nourished ideas above the community that we've been elected to become a part of, that's, that's when it becomes a negative thing in our life. That's when it becomes something that will cause us to struggle and honestly something that pulls our eyes away from the promised victory that we've been given. We just read in Colossians, set your mind and your heart on things above. Find your victory in Jesus because that victory is promised. 
And while you're walking into these communities and engaging these communities, realize that it is a great thing to fight for better here on earth. That's an amazing thing. But we've been called for something even more than that. We've been called to build something that will have eternal consequences, eternal good consequences for those who follow Jesus. And so as we continue to walk and realize we've been elected for better and we show love, we've been elected for love, we ultimately realize we've been elected to follow a leader in Christ that knows every aspect of this huge magic trick that we call life. And he knows how it's going to end. And he's going to bring it together for the betterment of his people. And because of that, we can walk confidently and promise victory. And we can share that victory with others and bring hope to those communities around us by setting our minds and our hearts on things above and in the victory that Christ has achieved for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. God, we thank you that, that you have given each of us individual passions, that you've given us convictions that you desire for us to follow on earth. God, you desire for us to walk into these scenarios and to be light in those scenarios. God, to engage people with love and to tell them about your kingdom and the victory that you have won for your people. God, I pray that as we do those things, we don't get distracted. God, that we, we don't get caught up in identifying in the areas that we're serving. God, we get caught up in identifying with you and with your victory, with your kingdom, with your people, with your love, your mercy, your grace, humility. God, those things that we should, should walk in as we're engaging difficult situations and difficult times. God, difficult conversations. These are things that we should clothe ourselves with. We've taken off the old. We don't have to have those perspectives. We don't have to be stuck in defeat because we've put on the new man. We've put on the new woman. We've put on the new person. And we've become elected for your kingdom. God, help us to live like we've been elected for your kingdom. Just ask these things in your son's name. Amen.